Good morning, and I'm Jack Mitchell, along here with the esteemed John Bricado. And this is an early morning for us. Well, not really early morning, but you'll see with this new guest. We have a different podcast today. I mean, the reason why I say different is that not that we don't have in person when interviewing, bringing us information, bringing us knowledge, just to help us our perspective, right? As SBOs. But somebody that you'll be pleased to hear is on another continent. That's my cue. Go ahead, John. Let us know who we got on today. Absolutely. So this is unlike uh, many of our interviews. We we reached across the uh, Atlantic Ocean today, and we have Cheryl Campbell, who's a business official in London, of all places. And we have okay. a great, yeah, we have a great conversation with her. Really, kind of going through the similarities and differences of you know us being business officials in New York and the United States versus you know what we find to be very similar challenges in London. So here's our interview with Cheryl Campbell. Today in the podcast, we have Cheryl Campbell. Cheryl is the CEO and founder of the Association of BAME Business Leaders in Education, also known as Able Ed. Able Ed has been running for two years and is committed to raising the profile of the SBL profession while specifically amplifying the voices of existing BAME SBLs and encouraging new entrants to the profession to create a more diverse workforce. Cheryl has been the School Business Finance and Operations Director at the Thomas Tallis School in Southeast London since September of 2019, which is a maintained secondary school with over 2,000 students. She studied HRM and business law, as well as received her postgraduate diploma in HRM. Cheryl's also won the Emerging Leaders Scholarship from the ASBO International, the 2021 TES SBL Award, and the 2020 ISBL CEO Award 2020 for her contributions to school business leadership. Cheryl, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you on. Cheryl, welcome. Wow. Thank you for having me. I'm pleased to be here. Really, really pleased. And listen, do you hear that accent? Oh my gosh. I want to, I want to jump on transatlantic flight right now and get to London. Oh my gosh. Well, listen, first of all, what time is it there? It is now 4 PM. 4 so PM. I've wow. just, I've just come to coming to the end of my working day, maybe another two awesome. hours. Yeah. Well, That's thank awesome. you for making time for us today. We appreciate no it. At all. Yeah. It's so it's 11 AM over here. We really appreciate it. And that, that bio, I mean, I never knew so much about you real quick. We got we pretty much got hooked up. We got looped together because of Tim, Timothy Burns. You know, he's one of our colleagues upstate, another SBL, great, great business official. We had him on actually one of our shows, one of our favorite shows into the, um, the year last year. But he mentioned you. And when he talked about you, I never knew that there was so much that you're doing out there. And so it's great to have somebody um, over there. And we're looking forward. So other than that, I mean, like, how, how are you feeling? I'm just because I, I can't jump into the questions. I just can't jump into the questions. I just I got to like just get the sense, like seeing you speaking and like seeing the bio. How's it I'm, been? Out I'm there? just really excited. I'm excited. I'm really excited to be part of this because I like you said, I came over for the um, Emerging Leaders Scholarship. <laughs> And so since then, I've just always been engaged with what's happening overseas. Mm. And I just find the whole thing so interesting, seeing what other people are doing in the same profession. Same here. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I'm looking at your back, your bulletin board behind you. And I'm like, wow, it's just like our stuff. We got all kind of stuff <laughs> up in there, numbers and different. It's just, it's just unbelievable. But anyway, I'm going to I'm going to jump into it. So is is school, you know, business really a popular profession out there in London? And like, I guess. How how you personally get into the profession? Okay. Well, I mean, I would say that it actually is not a popular profession. People oh. outside of education have no idea what this job is all about. 
And I'll give you a prime example. A colleague of mine, a school business leader, she was she was a contestant on a game show this week. Really? And she she went on to this game show, nothing to do with being a school business leader, but she went on and she talked about her, her um, profession. And there were comments on Twitter, people saying, oh, she's a school secretary then. And I thought people have no idea the scope of this role. It's just, it, it's just a hidden, it's a, it's a secret. It's like a hidden secret because unless you're within, and that includes myself, before I became a school business professional, I didn't mm-hmm. really have an idea of the scope of the role. And you think you might be doing a couple of things in the school office, but it's, it's huge. It's a huge role, but right. it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's not that popular. I mean, there are, there are maybe 12,000 in the UK which, you know, sounds like it's not a big number at all. Right. Okay. And there are still amazingly some schools that don't have school business leaders. In wow. School. Is that so? They, pref- okay. they try, they manage without them. So oh. it's still, although it's been around a long time and our professional association has been around since the nineties, it's still okay. a growing profession that needs amplifying. So, yeah, so for me, how I, how I got into it, I worked in the local authority, which I'm not sure what the equivalent is here. So I'm like for the, the local council. Mm-hmm. I worked in the local council for several years. And then I did lots of different bits and pieces. So my, my studying was in HR. I was managing people. I was managing a budget. And I wanted to bring all of that together. And then I went on my first maternity leave. I thought, yeah, I want to change roles. Didn't get around to it. Went on my second maternity leave. And <laughs> for some reason, I thought, yes, this is the perfect time to study. So while I had a four-month-old and a 20-month-old I was studying for my school business manager certificate at the same time and that was my gateway into changing profession so I did that coming off the back of my second maternity leave I -hmm. decided that I wanted to change jobs and I thought it was perfect to pull together all of my experiences but even then I had no concept of how huge the role really was it's not until you're in it that you realize how much you have to cover yeah that's a great point I think that it goes underestimated a lot of the time because a lot of individuals, especially what Jack and I are working on too, is just realizing that the profession really is unknown and people don't really understand kind of the, the, the size and scope of everything that we do as business leaders. And that's one of the charges that we're kind of working on, you know, in a very localized, you know, in the state of New York here is really getting the name of the profession out there. So I, I guess it's comforting to know that it's not just us, it's you know, around the world, but at the same time, we have a lot of work to do to get people educated in terms of what we do. So that being said, can you kind of speak to some of your primary responsibilities in your current role and maybe how would you describe the school districts in your area? Okay. So, so we have a, a, a very different system. So I think the main thing for me is that you have districts. So your districts, right. I guess, are like our boroughs, more than boroughs. So your districts will cover thousands of schools. Our, our boroughs are not that big. Okay. And so within my borough, I think there are maybe 70 schools. And then school business leaders generally will work either in one school or if you work for an academy trust, you may have oversight of maybe 10 schools or so. So it's on a much smaller scale, which makes sense because we're a much smaller country. Sure. But it's on a much smaller scale. But generally, my, my responsibility, so I look after HR, human resources, I look after the, the, all, the whole administration function. I look after IT, premises, health and safety, marketing, income generation. I've probably forgotten some of my role. Finance. <laughs> <laughs> so, right? much, so much you can't forget, right? <laughs> 
And I have to say, this is probably an unpopular view, but I have to say finance is my least favorite part of the role. Okay. And I know most people in this role love finance. I do finance because it's part of my role, but it's not my favorite part. I, I would agree, Cheryl, I come from tech. So finance isn't my my passion. Ah, that's interesting. See, yeah. we get very few people coming through the tech route, I would say. Yeah. And, and people I, coming mainly through finance. And I've noticed too, having been in this role for about six years, when you look at everything that we do, I would say finance is maybe around 20% of like the daily responsibilities. So much else that falls under the umbrella of the role. Yeah. Yeah. But my favorite part is that is the health and safety premises part of the role. That's my favorite part of it. Okay. I like to get, get stuck into that bit. Well, I'm curious now, you know, you expounding on, you know, your duties and some of the things that you, you favor, right? And I guess you've already mentioned how the profession has been. That, that's part of my next question, how many dishes there were. But how do you really, I guess, collaborate with your peers? And I, I guess even too, I want to say, in our 10 minutes of just talking right now, what do you think are some of the differences or similarities between, you know, there and the States over here? For me, the, the biggest difference is the scope, the, the size of the role. So over there, when I when I was um, with the business leaders in America, okay. they were managing huge districts and, and it just seems like a massive role. So that, I think that's the difference. Whereas I'm mm. responsible for one school, which probably to you seems tiny. No, I mean, so it's, it's, you know, I have three schools. Yeah. I feel like that's the, the main difference. And the funding challenges were quite similar when we were speaking to, to the other business leaders in America. The funding challenges are quite similar. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that really intrigued me was the whole thing around taxes and raising taxes through your oh, local yeah, area. Yeah. That just yeah. blows my mind. <laughs> so what is, your, what is your funding mechanism for your schools then? So we, we have had pupil funding. We get funded by central government who give the funding to each of the local local authorities and they then are in charge of sending it out to the school. Is that it? The Is that authority. the primary or only type of revenue? That's the of- main funding we get. So wow. we get and we get, you know, for example, my school, we have two, over 2000 children just thereabouts and we get our funding of around 60 million. OK, and that, that's that's our lot. We have to do everything that money. And how does that work annually? Is that kind of through a legislative process with the distribution of funds or any increasing in funding? Is that something maybe you advocate towards with your local? No, we, uh, we, so we have no say. We're just told what we're going to get. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're this just told it. what we're there going go. to have. And they announce, you know, they announce that they're going to increase the, the pupil rates or they're going to increase particular grants. But, you know, for example, we have a pupil premium grant. And that is for the number of children within your school who who are eligible for free school meals. There's a financial threshold for that. If they're eligible for free school meals, they they qualify for the pupil premium grant and you get that as part of your funding. But that is a ring fence grant and that could go at any time. Interesting how you make do. Wow. And I... When I introduced you, I, I did mention that you're part of a, it's a maintained secondary school. Can you explain to us and the listeners the difference between maintained and local authority? Well, no. So maintained is a local authority school. Oh, see, I don't so, even know. <laughs> <laughs> and why would you? We learn it now. We learn it. <laughs> why would you? So we have academy trust schools. So there are schools which are generally either maintained or they're an academy. So maintained means you're under the control of the local authority, which is your local council. And that's the type of school I've always worked in. That's the type of school I gravitate towards. 
maybe because I used to work in the local authority, so it feels quite comfortable to me. And then Academy Trust outside of that remit of the local authority, and they can form a multi-academy trust and link with other academies. It doesn't have to be geographical, it can be throughout the UK, and they get their funding directly from government. They don't have to go through the local authority. So none of it is top sliced for local authority services. So that's, that's how it's sold, that we have more control of our money. Um, I'm not really on the academy side, but I can see why some people prefer that model. But the actual, the, the UK model is trying to have a fully academized system. And I can see the pros and cons, right. but I will be dragged kicking and screaming into an academy. <laughs> <laughs> very interesting, wow. very interesting structure, especially when, you know, we compare it to kind of what we're used to here in the United States. But so, something I think we, we have shared over the past two years is, is the pandemic and the health crisis. And I'm just wondering, you know, how did you and how are you handling that in, a, in an education setting? Gosh, where do I start with this? It's just been, and I think the thing that has, has kept us going is that business leaders have shared our, our triumphs, we've shared our challenges, and we've managed to get each other through the process. The thing I have to say that's been really difficult is that things are announced through the government to say, this is the next step, this is what's happening. So for example, schools are going to close and only be open for vulnerable students. And we hear those announcements at the same time as the rest of the UK. We don't, we're not giving any additional notice. We hear it on the news and think, right, what do we now have to do for tomorrow? Because we've just been told this. And you know, families are expecting schools to be ready and organized to make these changes. And we're hearing it at the same time. And it's just, it was, it's, you know, it's, it's been an amazing process that we've had to go through. Hmm. And things like having to provide meal vouchers for children who have free school meals. So even when they're at home, we had to ensure that they were given vouchers to, to access the same level of, of meals that they would have at school. And we had to organize that process. And it was, there was one portal that we had to use to do that. And you had school business leaders staying up till four in the morning just to try and get on this portal because it kept crashing. And as a tech guy, I'm sure you can appreciate that. Yeah, You've got yeah. all the business leaders in the UK trying to get onto this portal. And so some of us said, right, I'll do it at four in the morning or I'll do it at one in the morning. And it was, it's real dedication to the profession to say, right, I'm going to get on there and get vouchers for my children in my school. But it was, I think, the, the unity that really showed through at that time that we were just supporting each other in how to do things. We had to, you know, over the Christmas break, the first Christmas break, we couldn't switch off. We had to still keep our ears open. What's going to be announced oh. next? What are they going to announce? And mm. sure enough, during the holidays, they announced that we're going to set up on-site testing centers within our schools mm -hmm. when we open in January. What does that mean? Somebody has to think of the logistics. How is that going to work Correct. as soon as we get back? And these are things that business leaders have had to really lead the forefront in, so the organization of it all. Wow. And I say that, but I do know that I'm very lucky because within my local authority, local authority took that planning decision for themselves so they mm -hmm. planned it all and they rolled out mobile testing centers to each school so my school i was very very lucky that they just swoop in set up do the testing for us that's great but generally business leaders have had to had to manage all of that stuff it's been oh. a very testing two years yes and i mean that you you the public sees the headlines of all these localized testing centers and things like that but what isn't realized is all the logistics that go into it and how much of the burden falls on us as, as school business yeah. leaders. So it sounds like you've been dealing with very similar issues that we have been, but 
the pandemic aside, what would you say is kind of your biggest challenge uh, that you're facing? My biggest challenge is, is making sure I've got enough money to go around. Mm. So making mm-hmm. sure that I've got enough budget to deliver the things that we need to deliver. Each year, the staffing gets more expensive. I don't know how the pay works there, but our teachers are on a scale. And each year, their pay goes up to the next point. So every year, my teachers are getting more expensive. Um, this is the first year for a long time that teachers' pay was frozen. So I didn't have a, generally my teaching staff gets more expensive. So our staffing... Mm-hmm is about 80% of the budget. Is that, oh, that same, yeah. Yeah, very similar? Yeah. 80%. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to dial back a bit to 75. <laughs> Good at luck. The moment, I'm at 80. <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest challenge, trying to do everything we want to do and need to do with the funds available. I'm in, uh, I just don't want to complicate things anymore, but I'll tell you anyway, I'm in a, a PFI school. That's a private financial initiative. Have you heard of this? No, no. So it means that we do not own our school building. Okay. It's financed by a group of funders. Okay. They build a lovely, shiny new building, and then the local authority basically leases that building back for 25 years. Oh, oh. it's like a charter. It's like charter, John. Is that what a charter like, is? Okay. Yeah, oh, I, thought, yeah. I didn't realize similar. that. Yeah. yeah. So we don't own our building, which basically means that we are not able to do the things that other schools will be able to do in terms of lettings and generating income from our building because. After six o'clock, it's not ours. Mm-hmm. After six wow. o'clock, six o'clock, we're out and it belongs to the to the maintenance company. Wow. So we have that restriction in that I can't really, you know, let it out to a to a club group at the weekend or you know PTA. I can't do anything like that. That's so amazing, Cheryl. I, I got to tell you, hearing all this, seeing the similarities and what you go through. Uh, I really appreciate that. You, you know, thank you for sharing it. And you know, I want to get into this being that this is important for around the country and around the world too. I guess Black History Month, which I think you told me was different there, right? It's a different yes, month. Yes, Black History Month is in October. Yeah, which is different for us. It is February. So, nonetheless, you know, it's really awesome to have a woman of color on for our Black History Month. And so, I ran across your association of BAME, and I'll, I'll let you get into what that means. But for business leaders in education. You know, could you share just, you know, tell us a little bit about it and I guess about what your cause and objectives are? Absolutely. So being quite new to the profession, I, you know, you do the normal thing, you do the networking, you go to conferences, you look around and you realize there aren't many people who look like you. And it's a very small number. And then we have our association is the Institute of School Business Leadership. That's our professional association. Mm-hmm. And they did a piece of work. They do a um, workforce census. And so they survey as many business leaders as they can throughout the country and asking them lots of questions about their background. And the report that they published showed that um, of the school business leaders who responded, there were only 3% from a Black, Asian or minority ethnic background, which is what okay. BAME stands for. And I thought 3%, that's, that's nothing. percent is nothing Mm -hmm. and this was just before the the start of the pandemic was just before the all the horrible stuff that went on with george floyd so you know it it was it was just before that and i sort of sat and waited and thought right this this report has come out something is going to happen now there'll Mm -hmm. be something that says we got this figure this is what we're going to do and nothing happened do something myself so that was why i started the association because i thought i have to do something i I want to I want to amplify the voices. I know there are more than than 3% out there. The actual figures were that there were 14 Asian business leaders and eight black business leaders. I thought, no, I know more than eight myself. 
So those figures are not accurate. So that means people are not engaging with mm. the research. And why are they not engaging? So my, my whole thing was that I wanted to amplify, amplify our voices, get more people out there, and in turn, promote the profession. So, you know, I'm in a secondary school. We have students who are 15, 16, who probably have no idea what I do. They see this lady walking around school. And just to be able to be a role model and say, look, there's somebody doing that job. I could do that job. It's not always an, an old white guy. There are a range of people doing this job. So that was really my idea is that I wanted to amplify the voices yes. and also try to encourage people into the profession. So we started speaking to businesses and asking them to sponsor us. And so they donate money to us and then we use that to offer our members scholarships to be able to do qualifications. So there's an aspiring business leaders course that you can do. And we can pay for people to do that to say if they want to come into the profession, this is a gateway into it. That's really the idea behind what we're trying to do. Very good. Well, I have to say that is extremely honorable and noble of you. And actually, you know, some ideas maybe could be shared over here for us, not just in New York, but around the state. So we thank you for that. Well, listen, I got to say, Cheryl, how do you feel about this? I mean, we're, we're pretty much wrapping up. Like having gone through this podcast with us, we're in the States. Like any you last know, I just any It, it feels... To me, it feels quite nostalgic because I came over to that conference and I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved being part of that. It was huge. There was so much to learn. And so it feels quite nostalgic, you know, just being, being on this podcast. And I had fully intended to come over again for the next one. But then, you know, things didn't go to plan. So I fully intend to come back to the conference, hopefully when it's back in, in sort of the Washington, that Maryland area. Portland is a bit too far for me. It's, you know, right on the West Coast. Yeah. I'm not sure I can manage that, that distance. But I just love the idea of engaging with Asma International and making those links. It's just, it's just, it's just great for me. But, you know, there's so much to learn. It's, you know, it's not just learning about what's happening in the UK. There's a lot to learn from what's happening across the waters as well. Mm-hmm. Well, well thank I you. mean, yeah, oh, I was going to say, as, as fatigued as we've been with Zoom and virtual meetings, I am so thankful that we've had this opportunity to reach across the pond and connect with you. And in London, what a cool opportunity we've had here on yes. the podcast. And Cheryl, thank That's you. That's one so of much. the benefits of this of this pandemic, because prior to this, I don't think people will be as willing just to jump on on video calls as much. You're right. Yeah. So yeah. That's one of yeah. the big benefits that you've before made connections in that way. Yes. Well, well, Cheryl, thank you so much for your time today. We're excited to get this out to our listeners and we really appreciate your time, especially at the end of your, I'm sure, very busy work day over there in, in London. Thank so you. thank you so much. I'm glad you could understand my accent. I was a bit worried that you wouldn't <laughs> be able to understand <laughs> the, the problems here. <laughs> no, it was, it was awesome. I love it. Yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take All care. Right. Take care. Oh, that's great. Thanks for listening to our interview with Cheryl Campbell, and we truly appreciate her time this afternoon. Well, our morning, her afternoon, right? Because yep. uh, she, she had a hack day. She squeezed us in at the end, and it was just amazing to hear. Yeah, interesting know, stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Just how, how similar our roles are, but how very different they can be, just really in terms of the governmental structure yeah. and the financing. So it was, what a great conversation. It's different how many are out there. I want to say how the financing is. I mean, I mean it sounds like they're kind of a, a pseudo charter, but yet yeah. they the money they get, this is it. You know, yeah. you may do. Like, you know, it's not a tax. She said she's fathomed by yeah. what we have over here and, you know, and how many districts and how many schools that, you know, some 
some of us may have not even in New York, but of course, you know, we know as well international, right? We've had those folks on too across the country. But I mean, just the wealth and breadth of information, but just to show you guys and, and folks out there listening, school business has an underlying foundation, right? At the yeah. end of the day, um, we are providing the resources necessary to pretty much back the um, educational program at, at wherever we are, our schools, wherever it may be. And I think that it's interesting to hear that and learn it from uh, show. And also the stuff she's doing behind the scenes to promote even more growth in our industry. I mean, I want to say, John, you tell me too, we talked about this in the past, that really it is a little bit not undercover, but most folks still don't know about our profession like that, right? Yeah, maybe uh, we can have her uh, as a guest with our Next Generation Committee. I bet you can offer a lot of insight in what we can I do think- here. Hey, that could be a good idea as we might build something out over here they have over there, right? So right. really, really good stuff. So we appreciate you listening. We hope you really enjoyed it. And having said that, this is Jack Mitchell. Along and John with, Picado. That's right. They've seen John Picado. We're signing up as Real Perspectives and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, guys.